Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This sacred verse of scripture appears in a chapter of the Bible, in Philippians chapter 4, which starts out with somewhat of a reprimand, certainly a plea that is done to two ladies of the congregation there at Philippi. Eudocia and Sinkiki were young women or older women who had undoubtedly a conflict one with another. And they're being instructed by the inspired Paul as he's writing here in Philippians 4 in reference to their agreement one with another and how they're to come together in one frame of mind rather than to continue to be in a separated or divided state. It is natural for people to have their old habits brought with them. Anything that we do in life, we bring our past. If we have something of a great education in a subject, we bring that good education. But if we have no background to it at all, we'd be wise probably to call upon somebody to help us out because we're gonna bring only that which we have experienced with us as we go to a situation. How would you like to have a flat out on the highway and a busy, busy fanfare is going by and you have someone that is neighborly and they pull off the side of the road and they come up behind you and they first make a suggestion to you. I'd suggest to you first off, let's get a little bit further off the road. It's not gonna hurt your flat tire at all to roll around two or three more turns in order to get a little further off the road because there are people who sometimes look and they follow their look and as a result, it's extra dangerous on the side of the road. They may run over us. You think that's pretty good advice. That's from somebody that's had a little experience, a little bit of paying attention to a busy thoroughfare. And you'd appreciate that very much and you move on over just a little bit and that person follows you on further and says to you, um, I don't know what in the world are we gonna do with this flat tire. This is the first flat I've really ever experienced. But I think there's a thing called jacking the car up and taking the tire off and have you got an inflated tire in the, in the uh, uh, trunk of the car? Well, with that, you may open the trunk of the car and you may find there a jack and you may find there a way to put it on a platform and uh, along the way, and you begin to jack that automobile up as instructed. And suddenly, you notice that that car kind of moves forward just a little bit. It moves to the side just a little bit, or at least wise it moves just a little bit, and you look at the person and say, what's happening to the vehicle? That person says, I don't know, this is my first experience with it, but uh, you know, we gotta jack this up in order to get the lugs off the, we gotta get this tire changed, and you've got an inflated tire in here, all right, we can, we can do that, and I don't know exactly how it works, and, but we'll, we'll learn together. What kind of comfort do you feel in that situation? Good beginning, but it's not very uh, following very good ways, is it now? That person may be a little more dangerous. But if you have somebody that drives up and says, oh, I've been this way many times. First off, we want to block the front tires of this car. Ah, now then we want to jack it up just a little bit, but not much. Because in order to take these lug bolts off, we need to have a little friction on the ground here with that inflated, that deflated tire. And so we're gonna take these lug bolts off and we're gonna put back, now by that time we'll jack it up a little further because the inflated tire is gonna be a little wider 
and it's going to slide right onto this hub, and we're going to tighten it down, and you'll soon be on your way. Now, how does that make you feel? Well, somebody knew what they were doing. They've been down that road before. They've gone around that way. Along the way here in Philippians chapter 4, he's speaking about this in a very spiritual way. You and I might or might not. We might call AAA or somebody else along the way to find a good helper to come to get us out of a problem on a, on a freeway with a flat tire. But for sure, there's a different feeling of someone there who has confidence to know what he's doing with the situation versus somebody who says, I'm willing to help, but I don't know what I'm doing here. This is my first experience with it and makes it, you see, a little more dangerous than it really would have been. Along the way in living the Christian life, the house of God is not only to behave itself as we find in 1 Timothy 3 at verse 15, but it also is to instruct itself as to how we live and live in such a way that we can be an encouragement to people around about us and not someone who's just at it for the first day and the first time. In Philippians 4, when he talks to these ladies about their correction, he tells them that they're to be people who set forth themselves to change things about the way that they have been divided. And then he says in verse number 6, be anxious for nothing, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which patheth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Notice here that if we are people, instead of being anxious about what we're doing, it's the first time we've ever done this. We are people who are devoted people to prayer, to request of the Lord, to asking the Lord to be with us in our daily walk of life, being people who enjoy the opportunity to share with others the hope of the soul and the bright promised land over yonder. It's a wonderful way to live and to do. And you see, as we live and as we do that, we find ourselves improving. Now, in regard to this particular matter, we want to be people who serve the cause of God. That's the way that God would have us to behave and to do. And as a result of that, in asking someone along the way about hearing and things like that, that's why I'm putting on the microphone now, along the way. For there are some frequencies of my voice that are not heard by others around the way. It's not because I'm not loud enough about it, obviously so, but it's because of the frequency of voice that is there. And that lack of frequency interrupts the flow of words to individuals. And I wanted to illustrate this lesson tonight in this regard. When you know what you're doing, and you prepare, and when you ask for the help of others and assist others, to wave at you, to point at you, if you can't hear this particular word or that particular word, to give you advice along the way because you're not afraid of having extra advice. You put that into the harmony of what I already know, what I'm already thinking. And as a result of that practice that you would do in life, Although a speaker may speak loudly enough to be heard, the frequency of voice may not be the same as the hearing of the ear with individuals. And as a result, here is a way in which we can satisfy that particular need. And he's saying here, this is the way you do it. You be a person of prayer and supplication with ever thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God. And this God will rule you. He will guide you. He will guard you with his peace. And in Philippians 4, verse 7, when he says, he will guard you, he will keep you with the peace. That is a wonderful way to be. 
For you know that you're preparing for life's threats and life's disappointments. And instead of having an a if situation and a I will if I can situation and a situation that you don't quite understand what's going on with it, you have confidence within a situation, an effort that is going to be put into it, a forthrightness that's going to be put into it, preparation that's put into it, and yes, sometimes a request for someone to advise you. That peace that will guard your life is said to be the kind of thing that God adds to us. When we find ourselves living that way of life, we find ourselves making progress. And as we go through life and we help others around us, it's because we find ourselves in need. Now, the best thing sometimes may need to be, wait just a minute, let me phone call, call somebody who knows about this situation. Preached for about 10 years or so time, five years, and then moved away to Oklahoma, Mississippi, and then Miss Jane and I moved back to Ruville, Mississippi, in Sunflower County in the Delta of Mississippi. We were in an old building there in Ruville, and we were sitting there one morning, and I was preaching away, and suddenly the lights in the building began to go yellow, just slowly ebbing down, going yellow. A gentleman was sitting just about where, just about where you're sitting. He was jumping up, and we had three, we had three sets of, of aisles in that building. And he ran out the aisle. He knew where the breaker box was in the foyer of the building. And he's like up here and he runs. I mean, runs. He opens those back doors there. He moves at the breaker box and he puts us into the dark because he hit the main and it canned the lights with it. Of course, we were all kind of, well, okay, what do you do? Do you keep on preaching? No, you wait just a second to get an explanation. He walked back up the aisle very slowly and he said, I didn't mean to interrupt the service. But he said, I'm an electrician by trade. And I know that when those lights go yellow like that, it's a lack of power coming to and through that line. And I know that probably this set of lines in this old building here at Ruble probably go back to where the building was made, fixed up in the 1940s. I wouldn't be surprised that you have paper covering those wires and not the more recent uh, lubricating tape that covers those things. He said, I know that that wiring is, got very, very hot and I didn't want us to have a fire that would burn down the whole building while we're in it. Well, with that, the good men of the congregation began to explore. We finished the service in the dark that day and we closed out, and it wasn't long before those guys were on ladders and they were going upstairs to see. And true to form, they found the wiring there was still covered in the old way of doing it by way of paper. And it had covered those wires. Some of them were smoldering. They were so hot. Of course, that brought about a change that took place there. The wiring was improved, brought up to date. The change of that wiring and the covering insulation was there. And we went on with activity. Now, back to my point at hand. This gentleman was not disturbed at the least, although he didn't want to interrupt the service. 
He knew that it overrode that particular event going on because the rest of us just were seeing yellow lighting. But he knew because of the experience in life and preparation of trade that he had to run as fast as he could to the breaker. He had seen that breaker box as he entered the building. He knew that it was in the foyer of that building and he could can everything. He could cut off everything with a main discharge. And as a result, he put it in all position. We were ever thankful and ever grateful. Every time he came to visit later on, the brethren would virtually stop a service to say hello and how you doing and thank him for what he had done that particular day. They sp he spared us because of what he knew. When you and I go out visiting others, we're inviting them to a gospel meeting, to a vacation Bible school, to uh, inviting a friend to go with us to a summer youth camp. Do we do that with confidence, with assurance, with the idea that we've already been there, we've already done that, we, we've prepared for it, we want them to have as good a time with that that we've had, an enjoyable occasion as we've had? Do we guard our lives with the peace that God provides for us? Or are we very anxious individuals? As King James says here, they're careful. We're very anxious about it. What precedes us when we talk to people in an anxious way? The nervousness, the hesitation. I don't know. I don't understand. Is that any way that the Lord wanted to be represented? And the answer is no. He didn't want a divided sisterhood there. Take to thought the Lord and be of the same mind. And going out to others, he wanted people to see people that were guarded by the peace of God. Not only should we be guarded by the peace of God, but living as we should in the house of God, the way that we should live, turn, if you will, in your mind's eye, if not in your Bible, to Colossians chapter 3 and down at verse 15. And there he says this peace of God is to be a peace that rules in your hearts. He says regarding this, verse 14, and above all these things put charity, put on charity, which is the bond of perfection or perfectness. And let the peace of God rule your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. The peace of God will guard our lives. We'll be prepared for what we do. We'll, we'll be sincere and interested in what we do. We'll try to do better than we've done before. It'll be visible and seen by the lives of others that we seek to influence. By an invitation, by a teaching situation. But also within yourself. Choose the words to use based upon the peace of God. For you see, it says here, let the peace of God rule your hearts and lives. And that word for rule, young men, young ladies, playing ball, you use this word all the time. Coaches, we use this word all the time. It's the only word used in the New Testament of the Bible, right here translated rule, it means to umpire. What does an umpire do? 
But an umpire keeps the game going. Because although you may agree or disagree with the umpire's call, which he's supposed to be seeing it as no other sees it, he listens as no others listen. He's in a position to see and make the call. That's a fair call and a right call. The point of that umpire is to keep the game going because otherwise it is like the little rascals. It breaks out in a fuss and a complaint and a fuss and a complaint, argument, argument, until somebody takes the ball and the bat and goes home. But instead of doing that in our lives, he says, let the peace of God umpire your hearts and lives. That means for us to choose the words and the mannerisms in the which we will show to people we're seeking not to have a confrontation with them. We're seeking not to put them in their place. We're seeking to help them. We're seeking to win them for the Lord. We're seeking to have the Lord be their Lord. We're seeking better things ahead. And thus the umpiring of our lives is being done by the peace now, we know words that can bring on battles. Back in the book of Proverbs, chapter 15, verse 1, when he says, a soft or a gentle answer puts away wrath, but grievous words do what? Stir up anger. We know what grievous words are. We know those words for some people are a little different maybe than for other people. In other words, they're situational about which somebody is sensitive and we want to bring up that subject. We want to talk about that a little bit. And that's the least subject they want to talk about at all. But we want to keep on talking about it just a little bit. Keep on agging it on just a little bit. Keep on putting them in that remembrance once more. And what's going to happen? They're going to either say, listen, I've had enough of that. And some will say, if you don't stop, I'll have to stop you. And anger will be created manufacture by instead of choosing gentle words that satisfy and help we've chosen grievous words that stir up and the servant of God is not to be that way he's to rule his life rule his heart and life he's to umpire his life by the words he chooses and we can look ourselves in the mirror and say certain words that we think about friends we're going to talk to, friends we're going to be around, subjects that are going to be brought up. And we can look at ourselves in the mirror and say, well, this word I'm going to use in talking about this subject is this mannerism I'm going to do, the way I stand, the way I put my face, the way I put my lips, the way I kind of, kind of behold myself. Is this going to bring about smoothness and happiness and joy? Is this going to bring about somebody who will open the Bible with me and see what God says to both of us? Or is it going to bring about somebody who will say, I care not what the Bible is saying. I hear it so loudly in the ill manners of your life. Am I speaking to people this afternoon who know what I'm talking about? And the choice of life is based upon the understanding of that peace to umpire, rule in my heart, in my life. 
or am I being called out by the Lord time and time again because I've chosen the ill-mannered words and the ill-advised ways that have created not peace and joy, not a pathway to the Lord, but I have spoken those words that bring about anger and resistance to my life. Someone says, well, Jesus certainly spoke directly. Oh, yes, he did. He did speak directly, and he lived a life that was very direct and opposed to the traditions by which they were following. And he mentions this in Matthew 15 when he says, In vain do you worship me when you teach for doctrine the commandments of men. And he cites Isaiah the prophet of God speaking in regard to the way that the people have been and are. I want you to notice in your Bible studies, however, I want you to notice where Jesus was with that crowd of people when finally you see that Jesus overthrows the tables of the temple Says, that, says to them, in vain do you worship me when you teach for doctrine the commandments of men. How long had he worked with them? How many times had he met them? How much effort had he put into it to be sure they understood the peace of God that passes understanding? And you'll see in your Bible studies that you were not going to see Jesus immediately do that. You see that he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, he taught his disciples, saying, You see our Lord loving people and wanting people to be saved from heaven. And in heaven's sake, to go to heaven, they needed to follow his way and will. There's more to the words, as I said this morning in Luke 19 at verse 10, when Jesus said, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. As we think about the relationship that we have to the Lord and in His church, we think about the way to live. And this, my friends, is a way to live within the scope of being guarded first by the peace of God, having preparation done, knowing where I wish be, and being assured in reassurance, helping, having that attitude and that voice and that frame of mind that says, if I don't know, instead of pursuing on, I'll call someone who does and can help us both. And then to choose instead of outlandish actions and mannerisms, an umpire that will tell us when we look it in the mirror and say, am I speaking the words that create peace? Am I umpiring my life that says, just do this? My mannerism is going to be good or should I call them out? And let me choose another set of words. Let's choose another disposition. Let's choose another mannerism. Because of that, we are following the way that the Bible teaches us to follow. We're talking the way that the Bible teaches us to talk. And we're enjoying the way of life. Instead of saying to a situation, oh no, we say, oh yes. In Acts chapter 11, we have an example of this as we close our lesson today. A situation that occurred where 
Barnabas went up to uh, find Saul of Tarsus and to bring him back to Antioch. And it is said here in Acts 11 and at 26, And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. Okay? And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. The church and the activities that they were associated with, these disciples were called Christians first at Antioch, Acts 11, 26. And there stood one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. What the brethren do when this prophet of God came and announced to them there was coming a great famine. Their brethren over there in Judea were going to be in great need. Circumstances were going to be such that they were going to be in the need that we could, with our efforts, help them. What kind of attitude came to the brethren's mind? It was the attitude of help. That's the attitude that comes from peace. When you're at peace with God and you're preparing and you're serving and you rule your life with peace so that you umpire it to be choicy in the words that you say and the mannerisms you do, when a message of disaster and hurt and ruin possible death comes about. This is the attitude the brethren had. Every man, according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren that dwelt in Judea. Could one say, I can do it all. Y'all just don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. No, no, that wasn't the way that they understood it. This peace of God was not little me and big you and you take care of this. Neither was it the idea of let's turn our backs upon it. We don't, uh, it's not here, it's not around us. We just let it go somewhere else. Every man according to his ability determined to send relief to those brethren. And they sent it by the hands of reliable people that they loved and trusted to get to the elders of the church. When we read regarding that situation, we read over in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 about it. We read that wonderful blessings came and abundant giving was done to the extent that not only were the good brethren served and helped, but many of their friends were helped as well. Assistance was done unto all, 2 Corinthians 9 and 13. The attitude of the church of our Lord is an attitude of help. When we get to the point of thinking and the influence has been of such nature that I'll wait on brother so-and-so who's well and bountifully blessed to do this. 
or we'll just turn a deaf ear to it because it's not right here upon us immediately. When we choose the peace of God to guard and to rule our lives, we'll be concerned about our fellow man. Family first, obviously so. What would we think of someone who went out here to help plenty of people otherwise and never helped his own family that was in need? We would talk to that person and say, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 don't, help your family. Help your family too, they're in need. But there would be this spirit of helpfulness and aid to be done with the brethren and with all men. The song of invitation provided this afternoon, think about your relationship to the Lord. Are you practicing those things in life with others that will bring about the peace? As these two sisters in Philippians 4 needed to have this peace it came about because they went back to the Lord and they were of the Lord's mind. It's because they were people who were not anxious in life, but they committed their lives to a word, a word of prayer, steadily, steadily praying, calling upon the Lord to be with them. Young and older alike, we can do that better. Once we find ourselves in prayer, we'll find ourselves wanting that guard, that keeping, that, that, that guard, a peace of God to guard our lives. We know the more important thing about us is not our physical makeup, but our soul. And we want our soul to be guarded. And as a result of that, we say to ourselves, how do I talk to others? How do I visit with others? We want that peace of God to umpire our lives and rule our lives as well. And when we hear of others in need, spiritual need or physical need, as was this instance in Acts 11, Instead of to Agabus turning a deaf ear or turning an ear to who's wealthy among us and who can take care of this. The idea was that every one of them determined to work together with the others and help to the extent that when we read the rest of the story, we read about the overabundance of their help that they offered. You know what? I want to be around the people like that, don't you? I want to be with the people like that. Because I don't want to tell everybody everything of my needs in life. I don't want to just talk about me, you know, that situation. But isn't it good to have someone say, you know, I missed you in service. I missed you in a Bible class. I missed you in this particular study that we did. I missed you in a gospel meeting. And they, we know that they mean it. It's peacefully done because they're peacefully guarded and they're peaceably umpired and they've chosen the words from a heart of sincerity and they can make a difference in my life and my family. I want to be around the people like that. It'd be good to be and as the song of invitation provided tonight, as we sing together this afternoon, this song to encourage, is there anyone here that needs to come back to the way of the Lord and back to his righteous way? This is the way that God, Philippians 4 and Colossians 3, this is the way that the Lord wanted his people to live within the church of our Lord. As we stand together and sing a word of encouragement, would you come to him?
as we stand and as we sing.